Greetings and welcome to another edition of the Thinking Spatially podcast series. The Thinking Spatially podcast series, where we think spatially across space, across time, and across scales, from local to global scales. Today's episode, Ferdinand Magellan. Ferdinand Magellan, launching global exploration. September 6, 1522. Everyone in the port town of Sanlúcar de Barameda, Spain, is running toward the water. After three years, Magellan's crew, or the 18 that survived, has finally returned. Has finally returned! Hooray! The crew has traveled 14,460 Spanish leagues, 60,440 kilometers, or 37,560 miles. Victoria is the only ship in the harbor, commanded by the Basque mariner Juan Sebastian Elcano. What happened to the other ships and the rest of the crew? What happened to Magellan? Everybody wondered. Magellan, Portuguese Fernão de Magalhães, Spanish Fernando de Magalhães, Magallanes, was born in Portugal in 1480. Yes, in Portugal. After the death of his parents when he was 10, he became a page to Queen Leonor of Portugal at the country's royal court due to his family's heritage. 10 years old, he became a skilled sailor and naval officer and at 25 was enlisted in a fleet of 22 ships and sent to host de Almeida, first viceroy of Portuguese India, where he remained for eight years. Eventually, King Charles I of Spain chose Magellan to search for a westward route to the Maluku, or Spice Islands. Why sail for the King of Spain and not for Portugal? Well, like Columbus, Magellan thought he would have better luck there. He departed for Spain after arguing in 1517 with King Manuel I of Portugal. Because the king refused Magellan's request, to lead an expedition to reach the Spice Islands from the east, Magellan became completely dedicated to studying recent charts and investigating with the cosmographer Rui Faleiro to find a gateway from the Atlantic to the South Pacific. The two also thought that the Molucas could be Spanish due to the demarcation of the 1494 Treaty of Tortillas. Tortillas. Columbus's voyages had shown the Spanish that the Americas were definitely not a part of Asia. Spain needed to find a new commercial route to Asia, and the country commissioned Vasco Núñez de Balboa as its principal investigator. In 1513, Balboa reached the Pacific Ocean after crossing the Isthmus of Panama. Faleiro Aranda, agent of the House of Trade of the Spanish Empire, and Magellan presented a proposal to the Spanish king, Charles I, in which Magellan would sail west without destroying relations with the Portuguese. This would, this would help achieve Columbus's plan of a spice route. The plan was approved in 1518, and cartographers Jorge Reynel and Diogo Ribeiro developed the expedition's maps. 
Magellan's idea was to follow the third voyage of Americo Vespucci, exploring a way to get from the Indies around the southern tip of South America. Hmm. To prepare, Magellan spoke with survivors of Juan de Solis's 1515 voyage to Rio de la Plata. From his research, he became conscious and believing that South America's southern tip lay within Spanish territory. Magellan thus found himself commanding a fleet of five vessels and a crew of about 270, accounts very slightly. His original crew members came from all over Europe, including Portugal, Spain, Italy, Germany, Belgium, Greece, England, and France, though Spanish authorities cautiously ended up switching his mostly Portuguese crew to mostly Spaniards. Despite money problems, attempts by the King of Portugal to stop it, suspicion from the Spanish, and the difficult nature of Faleiro, the expedition set off on August 10, 1519 from Sevilla, traveling down the Guadalquivir River to San Lucar de Barameda at the river's mouth. They remained there for over five weeks, finally sailing into the Atlantic Ocean on 20 September 1519. Avoiding a Portuguese naval detachment sent by King Manuel I and also avoiding the Portuguese territory of Brazil, Magellan stopped at Cape Verde, sighting South America on December 6 and anchoring near present-day Rio de Janeiro, then not part of Portuguese-occupied Brazil. They kept searching for the strait that Magellan believed would lead to the Spice Islands, making slow progress, but eventually they reached the Rio de la Plata in February. They found it to be a dead end, and over a month, they passed gingerly through 373 miles or 600 kilometers of dangerous waters that would later be named the Strait of Magellan. At last, hallelujah, reaching the Pacific Ocean. Despite storms, mutinies on three of the five ships, a shipwreck, uh, desertion of another ship, and near starvation, his expedition reached the Philippines in March 1521 with 150 crew left. Magellan wasn't there long. He died on 27 April 1521 during a battle. The expedition party was now too small to sail all three remaining ships and thus abandoned one, reaching the Maluku Spice Islands on 6 November with 115 crew. They departed with valuable spices in December, but one of the two ships sprung a leak. Those who could fit on board sailed west on the Victoria. With the Trinidad, churning around to travel back east through the Pacific to Spain. However, the Trinidad was captured and shipwrecked during a storm while under Portuguese control, with five of the 55 crew finally making it back to Spain in 1522. Commanded by Juan Sebastián Elcano, the Victoria rounded the Cape of Good Hope on 6 May. Having only rice for food at the Cape, 20 crewmen died of starvation before reaching Cape Verde. Transylvania's interviewed some of the surviving members from the expedition upon their appearance before a Spanish court. He published the first account of the voyage in 1523. Part of Pigafetta's account was published in 1525, while the whole account was published much later, in 1800, when it became the main source of what is known about Magellan and Elcano's voyage. Francisco Albo's formal logbook was the only other account of the voyage. On the voyage, Magellan had a personal slave named Enrique. He had been his slave since an earlier voyage in 1511. Enrique was a native of the East Indies, and since he could speak a Malay dialect, 
he was able to act as translator when the expedition reached the Philippines. Historians theorize that if Enrique was in fact born in the East Indies, he would have been the first person to circle the earth by the time the expedition arrived at the Philippines. The circumnavigation of the earth was nothing short of revolutionary. The age of exploration was at Magellan's time in its third generation and modestly moving forward with the voyages of Columbus in 1492 to the Americas and of Vasco da Gama to India in 1498. But as a result of Magellan's voyage, this age suddenly made a huge leap forward. Governments wasted no time sending other explorers. Three years later, Charles V sent Garcia Jofre de Loaysia to occupy the Malucas, claiming that they were his own per the treaty. De Loaysia's crew included Elcano, who we talked about earlier. Other navigators followed Magellan's route, including Sir Francis Drake, and in 1565, Andres de Urdaneta discovered a route from Manila to Acapulco. But the next circumnavigation of the, of the globe did not take place until nearly 60 years later in 1577 by English navigator Sir Francis Drake, largely following Magellan's route. Drake's fleet was destroyed by the journey, much like Magellan's armada. In 1580, only Drake's flagship, the Golden Hind, made it back to England. Magellan's expedition also showed the world that an international dateline needed to be demarcated. This is one of my favorite parts of the voyage as a geographer. Although his crew had maintained a ship's log, they found that they were actually a day behind the actual date when they returned. They had traveled west, opposite to the Earth's daily rotation. This was such an unprecedented event that a special group was sent to the Pope to explain what happened. While many areas of the global map had yet to be filled in, the world's scientific community, people in power, and explorers now knew what they were dealing with in terms of the size of the Earth. They could now plan accordingly. Exploration now commenced to all places listed as terra incognita, where nothing had been documented, at least according to the world's exploring nations. Though the exploration of Antarctica would have to wait for a few hundred years, every other continent would now, as never before, be investigated and mapped in the quest for understanding. While it is true that some of that understanding was for the purpose of colonizing explored lands, even colonization resulted in increased geographic knowledge, as well as the beginnings of what would be a massive human alteration of the land service in the shape of agriculture, spurred on by the expanding world trade. It was now undeniable that oceans occupied far more of the Earth's surface than did land masses. Pigafetta, a Venetian scholar and traveler, was Magellan's assistant, and he kept a strict, accurate journal. Francisco Alba was the only other sailor on the expedition who kept any sort of journal. Magellan's crew recorded numerous animals that were entirely new to European science, including a camel without humps, a guanaco, the vicuña, the alpaca, the llama, and a black, quote, goose, a penguin. From the voyage's accounts came a wealth of details about faraway lands. But the impact of the circumnavigation went far beyond the data collected on the flora, fauna, landforms, climate, native peoples, oceans, and lands. It inspired confidence in the endurance of the human spirit, that humans were destined to explore and do so boldly. 
While fantastic tales of mythological half-human beasts would continue in popularity for at least a hundred more years, scientific observation came to dominate. With it came valuing careful observation, proposing hypotheses, and testing those hypotheses. The idea of learning for learning's sake took hold. Learning about the planet was a noble pursuit, one that should be supported by individuals, scientific organizations, and nas national governments. The circumnavigation also boosted the value of geographical knowledge as a special kind of knowledge, initially for political and economic power, but also as an essential part of overall scientific knowledge. And it is undeniable that these voyages would forever alter the lives of indigenous people all around the world. The lives that they had known for centuries would be radically decimated and altered. Before I close this segment on Magellan, let's talk about Pedro Alvarez Cabral. Pedro Alvarez Cabral, 1467 or 1468, to about 1520, like Magellan, hailed from Portugal and was an explorer. Cabral was also a military commander, navigator, and nobleman, and some regard him as the non-native discoverer of Brazil. In 1497, he explored the country's northeast coast and claimed it for Portugal, citing the Treaty of Tordesillas. In 1500, he became the first captain to lead an expedition that touched four continents, Europe, Africa, South America, and Asia, sailing from Portugal to Brazil and then around South Africa to Mozambique to India to Kenya and back around Africa to Portugal. His many discoveries went unrecognized for over 300 years until the 1840s when his contributions to exploration began to be noted, though it is still debated whether his initial discovery of Brazil was by chance or intentional. That is Pedro Alvarez Cabral. Thanks for joining me on this episode of the Thinking Spatially podcast. And this episode was about Magellan and the impact of circumnavigating the globe circumnavigating the globe. Thanks for being with me.